Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible studies. There are tons of times and options to choose from. Head to our website to register now at www.preceptministries.ca. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay updated on the many things God is doing through Preset Ministries. We want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts or another area of Preset Ministries Canada, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth, a study in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Hello everyone, this is Mark Sheldrake here, Unlocking the Truth podcast. Working our way through the book of 1 Thessalonians, episode 6 today. Hard to believe, episode 6 already. We've got one more episode left. And, uh, of course, that will be episode 7, and we'll be wrapping up First Thessalonians. After First Thessalonians, if you're wondering where we're headed in the podcast, very good question. However, at this point in time, I can't tell you because I'm still praying about what we're going to do. Uh, once we wrap up these uh, podcasts on First Thessalonians, we'll be taking a few weeks of a break, and we'll be back in September, uh, Lord willing. Hopefully, I'm praying that uh, God would show me clearly what we want to cover. It could be Second Thessalonians. We'll see. But right now, um, uh, I'm getting ready to go on some vacation. So I'm looking forward to that, some downtime with our, our family. Uh, it is, I'm recording this podcast on July 27th. And so, uh, just so you know, I want to let everybody know that because uh, some things have been going on in the world. Some things have been going on in the world in the last week. But uh, before we get into that, I just want to um, pray for our time together. But I also want to um, encourage you that uh, this is an opportune time for you to be getting into the Word of God each and every day. Uh, look for uh, online Bible studies and any workshops or training to learn the skills of inductive Bible study through Precept Ministries in Canada. So www.preceptministries.ca, maybe that's where you're listening to the podcast. Maybe you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, somewhere else, but you want to check out Precept Ministries. Get engaged in God's Word uh, with the method of inductive Bible study. Plenty of workshops coming up into the fall and... Uh, can't believe we're talking about fall already, but we are. So uh, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll dig in. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity you give us to be able to look into your word, to see the truth of your word, to be able to apply the truth of your scriptures, your word, and be able to hear your very voice through these words. Father, I pray that this morning, as I'm recording this, that uh, you would uh, speak through me. We pray that uh, lives would be uh, transformed by the truth of your word, 
that people would be able to go back and align everything said here uh, today uh, by your scriptures. So we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I alluded to uh, something uh, just prior, uh, what we would call um, the opening of the podcast. So I've got some quick things to to share with you, and uh, then I want to kind of move into how it all applies to what we're going to look at in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. So we're going to look at the first 11 verses today, just the first 11 verses and our final podcast on this will will finish out chapter 5. However, uh, so it is, again, the 27th of July. Uh, last week, I'm not sure, uh, folks in Canada, if you've been uh, paying close attention to the news, but some, some news popped up last week that wasn't COVID-19 news. Wait, wait, it wasn't Donald Trump news. It wasn't Justin Trudeau news, but it was about a videographer refusing to videotape um, uh, a homosexual or a gay marriage. Well, uh, if that didn't hit the headlines uh, throughout um, the news, then uh, I'm not sure what uh, news you folks were watching, but I'm telling you, uh, that little incident happened here in our town of Brantford, Ontario. And I've got to tell you that uh, I, in my entire life, have never seen anything like what happened last week. Within a couple of hours of this email going out from this videographer... Uh, the social media world, the army of social media, not only put the videographer on trial, they convicted the videographer and sentenced her to destruction of her company. Just in a couple hours, uh, we, we know these folks. We know, we know the couple that's involved in, in this. And uh, texting back and forth and just some interesting comments. But one of the comments made was, I may lose my company today, but I still have eternity with Jesus Christ. I, that text that sat with me, I've, I've had some email back and forth with, with, her, with her parents as well. And her parents are... Uh, supporters and uh, Bible study students and precept, and we're we're thankful for that. the The reality is that uh, what we've talked about in the podcast before about how the gospel is an offensive message to the world. Uh, there's your example, folks. I I want to I would challenge you to just go and and. Google search videographer and Brantford and see uh, what the newspapers are writing. Within, within hours, uh, papers who have equality writers were sending messages to get information and, and quotes and comments about how dare you uh, 
refuse this couple. Um, I was out this morning and I was having a little jog and I thought to myself uh, about this church, this church in Thessalonica, this church who once served uh, idols and served all things of the world, served themselves, served the lusts of their flesh, served everything but Jesus Christ. And they heard the gospel. They not only heard the gospel, they received the gospel, they believed the gospel, and they were transformed by the gospel. So much so that at the end of chapter 1, verse 10, it talks about how Paul is thankful for their hope because they wait for Jesus who rescues them from the wrath to come. And then I automatically went and I thought about this couple and I thought about the, the trial that they went through in social media, the, the one-sided trial, uh, the world against the Christian and the persecution and suffering that they were facing. And yet these individuals, they never had their eye on anything in the world. They had only their eye on their hope in Jesus Christ. And, and I wanted to leave this whole thing. I'm not going to talk about this the whole time, but I want to leave this at one thing. All right. And I'm, I'm hoping they're listening as well as, you know, their parents. And hey, I'm hoping there's other folks who are on the other side of, of, the, uh, of the trial, so to speak, are listening. But what I thought about this morning on my run was that the, the people who put this couple on trial, they wake up today believing that they have a victory that they have won because they quite possibly have destroyed the integrity and the character and the company that this couple owns. But I, I immediately went back to the text and I thought to myself about one thing. I may lose everything today, but I still have eternity with Christ. You know what you can't do? You can't crush people who don't have their hope in the world. And that's this church. This church is under immense persecution, under immense suffering, under immense struggle. Why? Because they've stood on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what was happening yes, last week with this young couple and, and uh, this news and this trial and this conviction and this all this stuff that happened in the midst of social media has been going on since the moment Jesus Christ stepped onto this earth and began teaching the gospel. Paul facing numerous sufferings for the truth of the gospel. What this is for us as believers is a wake-up call. It truly is a wake-up call for us to be awake, alert, and ready for the return of Jesus Christ. This entire letter of 1 Thessalonians, the focus is on the second coming of Jesus. Well, last week in the podcast, I, I was like, you know, 
I'm going to challenge myself, and I'm going to challenge you as well. Uh, go, go back and, and see if there's more verses about Jesus' second coming, or if there is more verses about being alert. All right, so here's what I did. Okay, so bear with. Don't email me. Or, you know, you can email me if you want. But uh, here, here's what I did. I went into Logos, uh, and I decided to type in a number of different words for alert. Uh, diligent, be alert, be sober, uh, awake, um, just beware. You know, all of these words that would indicate that the believer needs to be somewhat alert and paying attention to what's going on. Whether it be around them, like when Jesus told the disciples to not sleep and be aware in the Garden of Gethsemane and they had fallen asleep, uh, be alert. Uh, I'm going to show you in a minute a number of these verses. And then I went back through the, from Genesis all the way to Revelation and I searched um, things like the second coming or Jesus' return and uh, Obadiah, uh, Zephaniah, Joel, all these passages where we've got references to the second coming. Daniel, Ezekiel, you know, all of these. And uh, just in a very quick search because uh, I've still got a lot of other studying to do to get ready for the podcast. So it's a little bit of a rabbit trail for me, but a rabbit trail for a purpose. I found over 247 verses that refer to being alert, awake, prepared, looking for all of these things. And then I found 168 verses in that quick search that referred to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, we've come through all the way to chapter 5, and we've, we've kind of held on to, and I've held on to, and I hope you've held on to too, eschatology is for encouragement and debate. Uh, last week, I also mentioned that eschatology and the purpose of eschatology is for spiritual growth and evangelism. Uh, the Bible seems to be very clear. This is in my quick search now. I mean, if I were to do a more extensive search, maybe I might find that they work out to be even. Because here's the thing. The majority of these looking for, be alert, be ready, be prepared, all of these verses, they actually come hand in hand with the return of Jesus Christ. So there's something there about the very fact to be alert and be ready. So here, here's some verses. I'm going to uh, read them to you. Uh, if you want to write them down, you can. If you're, if you're driving, you have to go back and listen again. All right, so um, I'm going to read from both the ESV and the New American Standard just for the way that they've translated these words just so I can show you in point of what we're looking at in the scriptures. All right. So if you were to um, put a title on this podcast for this week, the title is Wake Up. Okay. Wake Up. Wake Up. That's it. All right. So let me look at these verses really quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34. Uh, in the ESV says, Wake up from your drunken stupor 
as is right. Do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God, and I say this to your shame. In, in, the, in the NASB version, um, he says, um, become sober-minded as you ought to stop sinning, for some have no knowledge of God, and I speak to you to your shame. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 35, uh, be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, to the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober in spirit for the purpose of prayer. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 11, very similar words in the ESV and the NASB. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 37. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 2. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Therefore stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And so when God repeats himself in his scriptures, he wants you to know something. Okay, so when I look at the verses that I broke out in Logos, I looked at two specific things. I looked at wake up, be alert, sober-minded, pay attention, all of these things. And I looked at the second coming of Jesus Christ. If there are that many verses in the Bible that mention both, you want to pay attention to them because God wants you to be aware and ready and paying attention to those verses that are there. Well, Paul, in chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, addresses this very thing. He calls the people to be awake, to wake up and be alert to what's going on around them. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1 says, Now as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need uh, of anything to be written to you. It's very interesting, just right in that first verse. I think about this, and my initial inclination was that maybe Paul didn't get to teach about the second coming of Jesus Christ. That maybe Paul uh, didn't have a full ability to teach everything that he wanted to. We know that he had some work that he wanted to finish. But here, it seems that Paul had taught on the second coming of Jesus Christ. He says that they are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. All right, so let's look at this for a moment because here we go, right? This is the thing. Uh, you're aware of the times and the epochs. Hey, people, what, what's the date? When's the, what's the time? When's he coming? You know, we want to fight over these things. We want to debate. I was having a conversation last week with somebody that said, you know, it, it, it's, 
it's fun to have those conversations and discuss the second coming of Jesus Christ. I totally agree. I like to do it, but I don't like that to be the first words out of someone's mouth when they first meet me. It's, hey, what do you think is going to happen at the return of Jesus Christ? Half the time, as we've talked about in the past, those end up in arguments and disagreement. The purpose is for spiritual growth and evangelism. It's for us to be alert, ready, and aware that Jesus is coming back. So here we have um, two, two words in the Greek that we want to look at, times and epochs. The first is times is an extended period of time. It shows a chronological uh, order or a chronological extension. Uh, it could be like periods of time or seasons, as they would say. The second is, uh, is kairos, which is epochs, and that denotes specific points in times when uh, designated events occur. All right, so it's not like they know the date. It's the chronological order. Look, you could study the book of Revelation through precept upon precept, and you would be able to draw out for yourself a very cool timeline of how things are going to break down uh, according to Revelation and what John wrote. The only thing you can't do is pinpoint the times. You can't put specific days on when Jesus will return. You get chronological order, what we think is going to happen according to how we interpret the scripture, but you're not going to be able to put the date on it. So the season that they're talking about here is the day of the Lord. And so he says, you know full well about the day of the Lord. And then he's going to break down two different people groups. Now, first, before we do that, we want to look and we, want to, we have to know that Jesus spoke the same way about his return. He's becoming like a thief in the night. One of the most interesting things is at my house, I have this camera sitting in my front window of the house. When people walk by, I get a little notification on my phone that says, after a certain time, after 11 o'clock, it says, um, unidentified person uh, walking by or something along that notification. The camera will then click in and begin to shoot a video until that person leaves the screen. Uh, the security camera that we have has missed... The three times my wife's car has been broken into this year, since the beginning of COVID. We have no idea that the thief is coming and breaking in the car. The camera is not picking it up. The only way we know that the thief came is when we wake up Everything's all over the car, and there might be some change and things missing. Uh, I've left an ESV Bible on the front seat of the car, open to the Ten Commandments, and circled, Thou shalt not steal. <laughs> but they leave the Bible. The Bible always ends up in the back seat, which I'm thinking they move it, so they could sit down and rummage around in the car. But we have no idea that 
this thief is coming. We can't prepare for it. The police have told us, just leave the car door open. It does less damage on your car. But they don't announce to us that they are coming. They don't sing or ring the alarm bells to say, hey, by the way, guys, we're coming to break into your car tonight. They, they work at night. They're sneaky. That's, that's the way they do it. Jesus is going to come when we're not ready. So the wake-up call is to be ready. Now look at what happens in verse 3. While they're saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. Uh, Verse 4 starts with a contrast. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you're all sons of light, sons of day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. There's two comparisons here. Okay, so the comparisons are between believer and unbeliever. All right, so believer and unbeliever, and look what the believer, or the unbeliever, sorry, what he's saying um, in the midst of the return of Jesus Christ. The non-believer is saying peace and safety. Uh, this peace and this safety is a man-made peace and safety that has nothing to do with the peace that comes through salvation in Jesus Christ. One of my most favorite stories in the Bible is of this very thing, of people proclaiming peace and safety. It comes from Daniel chapter 5. In Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar, who followed Nebuchadnezzar as king, was in his palace. Uh, we're not going to be able to go into depth in this, so you, you need to go read it, but it's, it's an amazing story. He's in his palace, and he's having a party. He gave orders to the people to have wine tasting and they were going to use the utensils from the temple that Nebuchadnezzar had taken in one of his uh, besieging of Jerusalem. And so they brought the gold vessels they'd taken out of the temple, and they began to drink his nobles, his wives, his concubines. That's quite the party that's happening. Now, the palace that they were living in Uh, the walls were 40 feet high and 21 feet thick. All right, so they also had about 20 years of food supply right within uh, the palace. The other phenomenal example that this this comes from is Masada. If you ever have a chance to go to Israel, up on Masada, a big high hill, there was a palace up there. Uh, Herod's palace, and they had food storage. But down below, you can see ramps made by the Romans who, or by the armies who were uh, trying to get up there and get at them. So here at Belshazzar, he's having this party, and he's desecrating the vessels of the temple. He's having a party with them, and he sees uh, writing on the wall. 
they start writing in the plaster of the wall. I love, I love the verse in there, and it says, the king's face grew pale, and his thoughts alarmed him, and his hip joints went slack, and his knees began knocking together. I mean, this guy is scared out of his mind. Uh, the, the passage, the writing on the wall, essentially is your kingdom is coming to an end. But here they were, they were partying. They were partying like crazy. You know, could you imagine the mockery that they were doing with these vessels that were meant for the temple? Just outside the walls, knowing that they thought they were so well protected, the Medes and the Persians and their army. And the Medes and the Persians and their army, uh, they couldn't go through. They couldn't go over. So they went under. They dried up and rerouted the Euphrates River, and they dug a hole where the river went through the palace. And they crawled underneath the wall, and they walked right into the palace, and they killed Belshazzar, and that became the reign of the Medes and the Persians. The people... At the second coming of the Lord, they'll be crying and they'll be saying peace and safety. They'll have lulled themselves to sleep in the very fact that they have created this man-made peace and safety. And yet Jesus will come and he will completely rock their world with the destruction of the world because they're not ready for it. I cannot help but think about the culture that we are in right now. The culture that we are in right now is so focused on creating this man-made peace and safety so that everybody can feel good. But I've got to tell you, you see, the problem is you will never have that peace and safety. Because as long as there are people who stand for the truth of the gospel, that stand for the truth of this offensive message to those of the world, sin and righteousness will always be at war. Well, how do you know that, Mark? How do you know that sin and righteousness will be at war? Well, Revelation tells me that there will be a war between sin and righteousness. But here's the thing. I love knowing the ends of the stories. I'm a huge fan of Superman, and I know that Superman, he always gets Lex Luthor in the end. Revelation tells me that sin will be cast into the lake of fire. That sin will face eternal judgment. That sin will be wiped off the face of the earth. That Jesus will reign on his throne and the righteous ones will be with him. In a place where there is no sin. And only the righteous dwell. So we'll battle until that day. 
but the world will cry peace and safety. And then destruction will come. It'll come suddenly, like labor pains, like the birth of a child. And then the world will look on in shock at what's happening around them. I can't help but think about when COVID first started. That when the state of emergency was announced, how the world went crazy for things like toilet paper. How grocery shelves were emptied because of fears over the very fact that we would have to isolate for two weeks. Man, when Jesus, when the clouds open up and darkness falls over the land and the moon turns to blood and Jesus comes riding on a white horse to judge the earth for all that they have done, when they look upon that, what will the panic look like then? I'm thinking it's going to be a thousand, maybe a million times worse than the panic that came through COVID. I wonder if people will look down and see Jesus coming down and going, boy, those people who stood up for the Bible were right. There is a God. And he is a just God. What will happen then? When they say peace and safety, the destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman and a child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, and the day would not overtake you like a thief. Uh, if you were to consider this to be, say, point number one, point number one is, Wake up, because Jesus is coming back. The second point would be, wake up and live in the light of Jesus Christ. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that you would be overtaken like a thief. You are sons of light, sons of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. But then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Okay, so now we need to live in the light. All right, so here, here's the thing. Okay, in the previous chapter, we, we saw the word sleep and uh, asleep. We saw the fact that they were talking about those who had died. Um, verse 15 of chapter 4, those who have fallen asleep. And then we see this sleep again. This sleep right here in verse 6 has nothing to do with death. It's the very fact that you're not paying attention to what's going on around you. Uh, it, would, it may be considered the same as an apathy towards the things of God. It may be this ho-hum attitude to the very fact that you are not paying attention that to, the, to the promises that Jesus will return. 
I've mentioned this a number of times. I've, I've talked about it in churches. I've talked about it when I was a pastor in a church. But Revelation says, behold, I am coming soon. Jesus tells us, I am coming soon. Uh, there are plenty of times when we wonder to ourselves, when is soon? I'll get text messages from, from my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, and it'll say, we'll be over soon. And then they're at our house within 15 minutes. But Jesus, many, 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 many years ago, said, behold, I am coming soon. When is soon? But you see, because we're not paying attention, because we're not awake, the promise of soon becomes such a far-off thing that we lull ourselves to sleep because we have one foot in the world and we have one foot focused on Jesus. We're sitting on the fence because we're not fully alert and prepared and ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. We're looking at the world around us we're in debate over things that are happening in the world around us. We're not paying attention. Are we praying for the return of Jesus Christ? We get so focused on things like what the government is doing. What, what's happening with, with the coronavirus. Why are so many Americans getting sick? Why is one man not changing What's happening with the virus? Why are we... Look, the reality is you can't put your hope in the men of this world. You see, this church had their steadfast hope in Jesus Christ because they understood that Jesus would rescue them from the wrath to come. It doesn't matter whether it's COVID-19. It doesn't matter whether it's some flu or some other pandemic that's going to come along. It doesn't matter who the leader of the United States is. The very fact that there's going to be no one that is going to reign in this world that is going to reign like Jesus Christ. So let's hope for, let's look for, let's hasten the return of Jesus. Maybe that would be a good podcast to look at next as we're walking through 2 Peter. What does it mean to hasten the coming day of Jesus Christ? Well, we're to live in light. We're to be people who are shining the light of Jesus Christ all through the around the world. And one of the ways that we do that is we're on alert. We're paying attention to what's going on around us. We're focused on our mission, which is to populate heaven and plunder hell. We're not getting caught up in the day-to-days of this world, but we've got our minds focused on the return of Jesus Christ. He says, for those who sleep do their sleeping at night, verse 7. And those who get drunk get drunk at night. But we are of the day. Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Uh, when I look at verse 8, I just simply want to wrap this up as looking like you're ready for war. 
These seem to be indicators of uh, items that a soldier would wear when he's going to war. The breastplate is the thing that protects all of the vital organs from the arrows or from the sword. Uh, the helmet helps to protect the head. And then he says, put on the breastplate of, breastplate of faith and love and is the helmet of hope for salvation. Uh, you're in a war. Uh, the battle, the, the world is not a playground. The world is a battleground. So are you, are you ready? Are you armed for war? Be sober, be alert. Know that you are going to be under attack for your faith. Verse 9 says, and, and this is, these are the verses, this is the best, okay? Uh, for God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. All right, so let's, let's look at this first, okay? So if I were to break this down here, here's the next point that you need to know is we need to fully understand our position in Jesus Christ and be humbled by that fact. You see, the, the unbeliever looks for peace and safety in the world. They do everything they can to have that peace and safety in the world. They're not paying attention to the coming destruction of Je that Jesus Christ is going to bring. They're not paying attention to the very fact that the only way to avoid this destruction, that this wrath, is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have a world that is filled with trying to elevate individuals to the position of God instead of focusing on God and humbling ourselves underneath God. God. And when that happens, we cry peace and safety as unbelievers, and we don't pay attention to the times. But believers, we know that our citizenship is in heaven. We keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We're looking for and hastening the coming return. Why? Because he rescues us from the wrath to come. We do not want to be here anymore. The more and more I look at the culture around us and the changes that are happening so rapidly in our world, are they really for the better? They might make people feel more comfortable while they're living here on earth. But how long before Christianity is considered to be hate speech in North America? How long before we're not allowed to open our Bibles in public and proclaim Jesus Christ? How long before Unlocking the Truth podcast is not allowed on things like iTunes and SoundCloud? Right now we can do these things. But we seem to be moving in our culture towards blotting out Christianity. 
well, if I look around the world, maybe, maybe we need that. Maybe we need that pressure. Because there are a lot of people in our churches, there are a lot of people who profess Jesus as Lord and Savior who have fallen asleep. They're not paying attention. They're not being aware. They're not awake. They're not sober. You know, the opposite of sober is to be intoxicated. Maybe intoxicated by the culture of the world around us. Maybe we're not paying attention to the small misalignments of the truth of Scripture, and we think they're okay. We're called to be awake and aware. We're in a war, folks. We're called to live as sons of light in the world, awake, sober to what's happening around us. But we need to be humbled by the very fact that our position is in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter about the timing of when Jesus Christ returns, because let me tell you, I would love for it to be tomorrow. Because what I'm seeing in the world right now, it's exhausting. It seems like in the last few months, the world has completely turned upside down. I wake up and pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. But I'm sort of like Paul in the same sense because I still feel like there's a mission to be done. The mission of populating heaven and plundering hell. I think about the people that are around me that have yet to profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that are looking for peace and safety in the world. And they don't want to hear anything about Jesus' return. They don't want to hear anything about this offensive message of the gospel that is the only way to salvation. We need to be humbled by the fact that God has chosen us to be partakers of the divine nature, to be called to this heavenly calling that we have. He's not destined us for wrath but for obtaining salvation through Jesus. Verse 10, we see that word sleep again. When he says, whether we are awake or asleep, this asleep is referred to those who have died. He says that uh, through Jesus who died for us, whether we are awake or asleep. This directly goes back to the previous chapter when he's talking about those who died before Christ's return. The promise is whether you died or you were awake, when Jesus returns, we'll all be together. 
That's the hope that we look for. That's the hope that we hang on to. That's the thing that we need to focus on when creation groans around us because it is filled with sin. That's the hope we look for when we're under immense persecution and suffering for standing up for the truth of the gospel. I may lose everything, but I have eternity with Jesus Christ. I mean, I took a picture of that text because I hope and pray that if and when I face the suffering that this couple went through, that my response would be the same. I guarantee you that was a rough thing to go through. But you can't destroy the hope of someone who hopes in Jesus Christ. Now, we, we're going to end this podcast uh, with a couple more verses. In verse 11, we have a therefore. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So over the years, as a pastor and an individual who's worked for Precept, and I think I've worked for Precept for almost 15 years now, I have had the opportunity to meet thousands of people all across this country. They've all come from different walks of life. They've all come from different situations. They've all come from different challenges and different times within their faith. Some people who have been riding high in their faith. Some people who are in a valley, really struggling to hear the voice of God, to really pay attention to what's going on around them. And then I have met people who are outright asleep, just going through the motions of the Christian lifestyle. Why do you go to church? Well, I've gone, I go to church because I've gone to church since I was a child. My parents sent me to church, and I've sent my children to church, and my, my grandchildren go to church, so it's just something we do. What, what's your favorite Bible verse? Well, I really don't read the Bible. I haven't got a lot of time to read the Bible. I've got a lot going on. Um, what's your favorite part about church? Well, I've had some struggles in the church because the people keep fighting over the church and they're arguing over all kinds of different things. And So tell me more about your faith. Well, I'm really struggling in my faith. In 2015, Kay Arthur and I were driving in a car. Kay leaned over to me and she said, what is the thing that you are so passionate about that you want to write about? And I said to Kay, 
I said, I want to write a Bible study about apathy. I want to write a Bible study about apathy in the church. And she said, Kay, she, Kay said to me, why do you want to do that? And I said to Kay, I want to write a Bible study on apathy because I'm an expert in apathy. And she looked at me and she said, what do you mean you're an expert in apathy? And I said, Kay, when I was a pastor in a church, I went through the motions of church. I prepared a sermon for church. I preached that sermon. And I wasn't even 100% sure I believed what I was sharing from the pulpit each week. Okay, I was asleep. I was asleep at the wheel of Christianity. I was going through the motions. If you want to see and hear a little bit more about that, pick up that book, Ignite Your Passion for God. Because in the beginning, in the introduction of that passage, there are a number of things that question whether you are apathetic to the Christian faith or not. They're bulleted out. I sing the words on a screen, but they're not more than just words. I don't have a passion and a love to study the Bible. I, I want to avoid church at all costs. Folks, do you want to know where that list came from? That list came from the biography of my life. That's why I'm an expert on that. I'm telling you that I had to receive a wake-up call. The alarm bells rang, and the alarm bells rang the moment that I started working at Precept. I started studying the Bible for myself, and I started walking through this method of inductive Bible study and looking at it and learning things. I was in Galatians and Ephesians, and I, as I studied Galatians, it was, who has bewitched you, you fool? You know, all of these things. Ephesians chapter 2 is what I bring up in this podcast all the time because it's the very verse that woke me up to the very fact of my position in Jesus Christ, and therefore, since then, I have been more awake and alert than I have ever been in my entire life. My whole desire, my whole mission, my whole passion is to cross this country and wake people up. Because I've walked as the apathetic person. I've walked in the intoxication of the world and proclaimed myself to be Christian. Wake up. Wake up and pay attention. It's far too important. It's a matter of life and death. If you are listening to this today, and the very fact of what you are listening to is if you are sort of stumbling around and, and sort of kicking at the can of your faith, you need to wake up and you need to pay attention and you need to get yourself into the Word of God and let the Word of God transform you. Because I am telling you, there is no hope 
in kicking that can around. You see, the problem with apathy is that your pride will never let you know that you are apathetic. Your pride will always tell you that you're doing just fine. This is why when I go into churches and when I go around, I am so passionate about getting people into the word of God. It's because I know what it did in my own life. Hey, I went to Bible college. I've gone to university. I have studied the scriptures. But in those uh, methods of study in my university years, they made the Bible a textbook for me. It moved from being a living and active word, a life-transforming word, and it became a textbook. But I'm telling you, I cannot wait each and every week to get into the scriptures and study day by day and see what God has for me in the purpose of transforming my life. That's why I will always support, with my own resources, this ministry. Because it has completely changed my life. So here's what comes from scriptures in verse 11. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I believe that one of our jobs, as much as it is to share the gospel, as Hebrews calls it, we're to spur one another on. That as we move forward in our pursuit of holiness, as we're looking for the return of Jesus Christ, if we're waiting for Jesus to rescue us from the wrath to come, we need to be reaching back. And we need to be reaching back and helping to pull those along that are limping. One of the greatest videos I have ever seen when it comes to sports videos, and I don't even know the names of the people involved. I couldn't even tell you the year of the Olympic Games. But one of the runners was running around the track and he was coming close to the finish line, and I think it was the 800-meter race, and he pulled his hamstring, and he came up limping. And as he was limping around the track, you see his father run on to the track. The son would receive an immediate disqualification if he were to get help in the race. There were judges and there were referees along the edge of the track. And this father knew what this son was in pursuit of. This son at all costs wanted to cross the finish line. He wanted to get across that line, and he was going to do it whether he crawled, whether he limped. It didn't matter how he was going to get there. You see, his dream was to cross the finish line at the Olympics. I'm sure part of that was that he would want a medal. But his father knew his dream. His father knew his desire. And his father came alongside 
and he threw his arm around the sun and the sun's arm around him. And even as the judges and the referees were trying to get the father away, the father was pushing them off to the side. Get out of my way. And he helped his son cross the finish line. Yeah, try watching that video and not tearing up. This is what we need to do for believers. We need to encourage one another. We need to build each other up. We need to have such a great love for the brethren that when we come alongside, that we are going to walk with them to the finish line. This is called discipleship. If you are involved in precept ministries, whether it be just through this podcast or you attend a weekly Bible study, don't hang on to that for yourself. Give the gift of inductive Bible study to somebody else. Help them to have the fire and the passion and the desire for God's word that you have. Help them recover from their limp and finish the race. This is what Paul's calling them to do. He's calling them to be wake up, to be awake, to be alert, to be prepared, and help others do the same. Folks, we need to pay attention. We need to be very aware of what's happening around in our culture. Don't fall asleep to the very fact that these movements in the world are outside of biblical truth. Some of these movements are the outright movement of the devil, but they're packaged really well. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on the truth. Keep your eyes focused on your position in Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on eternity. Paul says in Colossians, set your mind on the things above. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to be alert. It's time for us to be sober. It's time for us to pay attention. It's time for us to populate heaven and plunder hell. Father, we do thank you for who you are. We thank you for the promises that come from your word. I pray, Lord, that anyone listening to this right now that may be walking with a limp, that you would encourage them and you would convict them to get in contact with us directly here at the ministry so that we can give them the resources and tools to help them move into their sprint. Father, I pray for people who are listening to this podcast who maybe are under immense suffering and persecution for the, the truth that they live. Father, help them to keep running strong. Help them to be alert. Help them to pay attention to the very fact that Jesus is coming. 
the promise seems like it was so long ago, but Lord, we know that you are true to your word, that you will return. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Preset Ministries, head to our website at www.presetministries.ca.